so I, I asked uh, Kaylee if she would sing that this morning because I just don't understand how that Christians cannot stand for 30 minutes and just worship because just because God hasn't answered your latest prayer and done what you want him to do doesn't mean he's not worthy I have to get my attitude right um, because I don't want to ever come here um, with anything but love in my heart but I, I just I, I'm gonna just be honest I don't get why those who have the most worship him the least I don't I, I don't I don't get it I'm gonna tell you ladies and gentlemen I owe not just something to God I owe everything to him and I'm I'm just so honored that you're here but the whole reason why we come is not to go through a ritual three songs take an offering hear a sermon and go home the whole reason why we're here is because we need something that man can't do if, if all we need is something that man can do then we don't need much but we need a lot more than that we need marriages to be healed we need minds to be restored we need doors to be opened we need favor because one day of favor is worth a lifetime of labor and if you're just I mean if you come here if you come here thinking about leaving then just ask God to take that heart to the altar and say God I want to be in your presence because in your presence is fullness of joy so I, I just I just want something that money can't buy I believe with all of my heart that the church is the hope for the world and if you can get something here that you can get anywhere else then you don't even need to be here and I don't either but if we can come and get something that we can't get anywhere else then this makes us a very valuable place so if you'll just oblige me this morning I want him to sing this song again and I just want you to I don't want you to think about anyone else I just want you to think about the Lord and how good he's been to you and all that he did and has done and is doing and will continue to do for us I don't want the music I don't want the sermon I don't want anything to be above exalting Jesus nothing above it so would you help me this morning maybe maybe uh, you just step out of your aisle here's what here's what I know y'all I've seen it I've witnessed it I've seen people healed in a worship service I've seen people's lives changed I've seen people filled with the Spirit of God I've seen people walk in empty and feel refreshed just in a worship service I'm not trying to make service long. 
I'm trying to exalt the name of Jesus because God's presence can change. It can change your life. Do I have a witness this morning? Man, I feel the Lord in this house. I'm gonna ask you sweet people, I'm gonna ask you again. Somebody, you need to step out of your pew and right now you may not need hands laid upon you as much as you just need to lift your hands and just exalt the Lord right now. Come on, exalt Him. It's the whole reason why we're here today. Speak to your spirit. Let the Lord restore your spirit. Let the Lord water your dry ground.
neighbor's shoulder and just whatever you want for God to do for you, would you pray it for them? Father, I pray for my sister right now that you would open up, Lord, every door. Hallelujah. That, God, you would just give divine favor in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would touch my sister in her spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Meet, oh God, every need in her life. Heal her in the name of the Lord Jesus. Bless her as she comes in and bless her as she goes out, God. I thank you, Father, for your goodness upon my sister's life. I thank you for your favor, oh God. I thank you for giving us wisdom, Lord, and helping us, God, to make the right decision. I thank you, Lord, for direction in our life, oh God, so that, Lord, we would make the right choices and do the right things. We would live a life of obedience pleasing to you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think you know this, but I'm going to keep telling you two things are very important to me. Number one is that we love God first. And then number two is that we love others. So there's sometimes I'd ask you to turn around and give a high five. That's not now. Now I'm going to ask you to greet a brother in the spirit that is in this house with love. Shake a brother's hand and hug a brother's neck and tell them the words that we all long to hear. I love you. Sister to sister, hug a sister. And tell a sister in the spirit that's in this house that I love you that I appreciate you. I want to let y'all know that I love you. I love you. I feel so extremely honored every time I get behind this sacred desk to bring you God's word. Thank you for the great privilege of trusting me with God's word. I want to talk this morning on why God deserves our best. Why God deserves our best. Father, 
I just want to thank you again for the incredible privilege to be in your house, to be among the greatest people on the face of the earth, and to get to proclaim the greatest message. Now, Lord, I just pray help me today to speak into the heart of this beautiful people that we may be everything that you want us to be so that your name is glorified in this region of the earth. And we give you thanks and praise. And everybody say amen. Thank you again. You can be seated. I want to turn your attention to the book of Exodus chapter 25. And I want to look at verse 2. God spoke these words to Moses. And he said, speak unto the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And then you go to verse 8. And then it, it lets you know why that God wanted an offering. He wanted an offering so that they would build him a sanctuary. And he tells why he wanted a sanctuary. So that he could dwell among his people. Now if you keep reading uh, Exodus 25, you read that whole passage, you'll, you'll see where God shows in this particular text that he doesn't want just any old tabernacle. In fact, if you read this, you'll find out that God gave the pattern for the sanctuary and how he wanted it built. And he even describes in this text of Exodus 25 the materials that he wanted. Everything in the tabernacle was to be first class. Everything in the tabernacle was to be, if you please, five star. You can be sure that when God built this sanctuary, there was nothing inferior about it, and there was nothing cheap about it, there was nothing chinchy about it. God was very explicit that he wanted the finest of woods, the finest of gold, silver, and bronze. He was so meticulous that no detail was left to chance or to debate. And God spelled out very plainly why that he wanted everything to be so meticulous. That I may dwell among them. God wanted to dwell among his people. That's what God wanted with his first children in a garden called Eden. He wanted to dwell among Adam and Eve. That's what he wanted when he asked Moses to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. That's what God wanted when he gave David the plan and Solomon executed the plan and built what we know as Solomon's temple. That's what God wanted when he called his disciples into an upper room. And that's what God still wants for all of us. He wants to dwell among us and he wants to dwell in us. Can I get a witness? So we may ask the question then, Pastor, why was God so meticulous in how he wanted it built and the materials that he wanted it built with? 
Well, there's probably many different answers that one could find, but most Christians agree that the tabernacle points, it was important for God to have this tabernacle just right because of basically three reasons. Number one, if you study the tabernacle, it points to Christ. Number two, if you study the tabernacle, it, it points to the importance of worship. Just a side note, in Moses' tabernacle, there were no chairs anywhere. Why? Because you stood as a sign of reverence. You did not sit in God's presence. You stood because that was reverence. So one of the reasons that the tabernacle was so important is one is because it pointed to Christ. Two is because it showed the importance of worship. And three, it was where God wanted to manifest his glory. Now, the word glory to me has always been a little abstract and a little ambiguous. So what I found is in place of the word glory, I like the word reputation. Just about any place you see God's glory, you can insert the word reputation. God has a reputation and he wanted that reputation to be upheld with the finest of materials. He wanted that reputation to be upheld with his people worshiping him. And he wanted this tabernacle to be a visible expression of an invisible God in the earth. Does that make sense? Now, the scripture plainly tells us in Psalm 96 and verse 4, For the Lord is great, and he is greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. In another scripture that's not going to come up on the screen, the, the, the scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Another scripture in Hebrews tells us that know you not that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God spoke the earth into existence and he spoke the heavens into existence, but he wanted man to make him a tabernacle so that it could be a place of worship where his reputation could be magnified and where it would be a visible expression of an invisible God. Now, have you ever thought about how few details or in the scripture concerning how God made the earth, how he made the heavens. There's a little bit in the book of Job. There's a little bit in the book of Genesis, but really God never gets into the details of how he created the heavens or the earth. But if you read Exodus 25, God is extremely detailed on how he wanted his tabernacle. I think, ladies and gentlemen, that it speaks to the importance of worship 
unto God. And I think it speaks of God's reputation in the earth because God wants a people to magnify him. He wants his reputation to be known. I can't get into this because I got a lot to say, but do you understand that God wanted Israel to be the head and not the tail? He wanted them to be above and not beneath. He wanted them to lend to the nations and not borrow. Why did God want that? Because he wanted his reputation magnified a bunch of, uh, uh, among a bunch of people so that the nations of the earth would look to Israel and say, my God, my God don't do that, but their God does that. Look at the expression of God in the earth because God wanted a people that would exalt him and that would literally make the other nations jealous of who Israel's God was. Can I just remind all of us this morning, you are the visible expression of an invisible God and God wants to magnify his reputation through you. Why then does God deserve our best? Because it's not just about this church meeting our needs. We believe and I believe that the church is literally the hope for this community. I don't believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we are the only ones saved. I don't. Why? Because the scripture says they're going to be saved of every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. Just because they don't fly our flag doesn't mean they're not saved. I believe that with all of my heart. But why I do believe that, I also believe that the church, the body of Christ is the greatest hope for the world today. It is not the federal government. It is not our leadership in Washington. It is nothing that we can put our tangible hands on. But I want to let you know that when my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Ladies and gentlemen, if I stop right now, I just could pound this into all of our brains. You are important, not because you sing pretty, not because you played great and they did fantastic this morning, but that's not why you are valuable. You are valuable because you are the expressed image of an invisible God in the earth. You are the body of Christ. You are the church of the living God. You are the hope for the world. And I'm just wanting to encourage you that God deserves our best. Why are we even why are we even building a church building? Why don't we just stay here? Why are we even building a building? Why why have I lost what little bit of hair I had? Why do I have to take myself to the altar? And say, God, help me not to cuss. Now, all you holy folks, put your fingers in your ears because this is not going to be holy. This is fixing to be as carnal as you're ever going to hear a preacher get. But I needed to make one hire this past year, and that was a cusser. I needed a cusser. Y'all are looking at me like I lost my mind. 
I told you that wasn't going to be holy. How can I just be crying to you, God, one minute and just be the carnal the next? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because my flesh, that's why my flesh. Why do, do we put ourselves through what we put ourselves through? I'm going to tell you there is a purpose because we believe that the church, ladies and gentlemen, is the hope for the world. And we are building a building, not so we can put a building on Facebook. That's juvenile. We're not building a building so we can say, look what we've done. That too is juvenile. But we are building a building because this is where we can come with our burdens and leave them here. This is a place where we can build a legacy, not just for us, but for our children and our children's children that they may know here, oh Israel, the Lord our God is one and you shall worship the Lord your God with all of your heart your soul your mind and your strength why does God deserve our best because he reminded us the harvest is truly plenteous 47 percent of people in Calcasieu Parish do not claim any religious organization that blows my mind because we are in the Bible Belt. In fact, De Quincey and De Ritter are the most church communities in all of America. And yet 47% of the people in this parish do not claim any religious organization. Why are we investing so much into building a church? Because God has a work for this assembly to do. And our primary purpose is to reach southwest Louisiana with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. This gospel can transform your life. Now, I want to I bring your attention to a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. I believe it's found in Matthew 16. I want to start reading verse 13. And when Jesus came into the region of... Y'all, I'm going to tell y'all a joke. So Margaret and Hilda were talking and they were in their, um, they were in their room crocheting. And uh, Margaret looks at Hilda and says, man, my memory is getting so bad. And Hilda says, um, she said, yeah. Um, she said, I just forget all the time. And then Hilda said, well, uh, how bad is it? And Margaret said, what's bad? So I just told you that joke to tell you my mind just went blank. Caesarea Philippi. I could not say that stinking word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, here's the only thing. I just made a boo-boo in front of 300 people. You just get to do it by yourself. <laughs> Y'all ready? All right. I think, I think it's come back. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Look at verse 16. 
And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Now look at verse 18. And Jesus answered and said unto him, verse 18, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here's what I here's what I got from this verse, and I'm going to share it with you. What does that mean? Now, here's what I think it means. I think Jesus is really talking about building the church from the inside out. See, there's a fundamental difference, ladies and gentlemen, between uh, filling the church and what we must do to build the church. See, Jesus filled the church from the outside in. I got to studying and I noticed that um, in the Gospels, there's 37 recorded miracles in the Gospels. Only three happen in the synagogue. The other 34 happen in the street. I just think God was showing us something. I think he was showing us that the best way to feel the church is to go out into the street. Are y'all agreeing with me? See, Jesus fed people on the hillside so they would come on the inside. See, I, I know that a lot of Pentecostals are not so much in favor of a social gospel, but I'm going to tell you, social work has a place in the gospel. What, what do you mean? Because many passages that I read, God met a felt need before he met a spiritual need. Because God understood when people are hungry with their bellies, they can't really hear the word of God. All they can hear is their belly growling. So God fed them physical food first before he gave them spiritual food. Because God understands the best way to get them inside is to reach them outside. Can I keep preaching? See, God believed, Jesus believed that we need to go find people who don't have anything and tell them they're going to be something. God, God wants us to go find people that are in the highways and in the byways and tell them, guess what? When you come and get God in your life, he's going to make you the salt of the earth. He's going to make you the light of the world. And he's going to put you as a city that is set on a hill. Jesus taught us, ladies and gentlemen, to be good Samaritans. To go to the roadside and the man that was beaten and had been robbed to take some oil, to take some water, to put him up in a hotel. Guess whose church, if that man ever went to church, whose church you think he was going to go to first? It was probably the good Samaritan that came by and put him up for a night, bathed his wounds in oil, and gave him something to eat. Ladies and gentlemen, God gave us an example. He says, go out into the cemetery and touch the demonic man, put him back in his right mind, and let him be clothed, and then come and follow me. God understood that the best way to fill the church up is to go outside. Do I have a witness? But God also taught us, on the other hand, to build the church. We have to do it from the inside. 
What do you mean? Well, Jesus, notice Jesus never did concern himself with building a physical building. Why? Because he only had three and a half years of ministry and he knew he had to build men, not buildings. So the best way to build men is inside a building. Jesus had to build men because he was going to place the hope of the world in 11 disciples' hands. Are you with me? So James and John, if you study the scriptures, you'll find that they were hotheads. And they needed building. Matthew was a tax collector, the chief of sinners. But he called him because he needed building. Judas was a liar and a traitor, but he needed building. Building from the inside out. Jesus knew that if he was going to build the church, he had to build it from the inside out. And so here is the strategy of Jesus, and I want you to get this this morning. He fills the church from the outside in, but he builds the church from the inside out. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 16 and 18. He says, and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, the real reason why hell comes against the church is because the church is a place where we build people up. This is why I don't, I try not to, I try not to be hard on God's people. I want to preach the truth in love. Because I want this to be a place where you can come in not having the best day, but get in the presence of the Lord. And when you walk out, you say, I just think everything's going to be all right. I know nothing has changed that I can see, but I just feel something in my spirit that it's going to be all right. Ladies and gentlemen, when you come to this house, I want you to be lifted up because God wants to build us up. God wants to build up his people. Why? Why does hell come against the church? It's because God's word generates life. God's word creates faith. God's word produces change. God's word frightens the devil. That's why I just keep coming to you, cute church. Don't scare the devil. Singing a song and clapping our hands and just joining up in here doesn't scare the devil. But I'm going to tell you, when you start preaching the love of God and the word of God, truth will set you free. It will make you free. This word, ladies and gentlemen, when it is preached under the anointing can heal your hurts. It can build your character. It can transform your circumstances. It can impart joy. It can overcome diversity. It can defeat temptation. It can infuse hope. It can release power. It can cleanse your mind. It can bring things into being. Somebody
Somebody give God five seconds of your best praise. See, I, I need more than cute church because you don't know what I faced this week. You don't. You think that pastoring is just coming here on a Sunday morning and preaching a 45-minute message. I'm going to tell you it's a lot more than that. You don't understand the hell that I faced this week. I need more than a cute hallelujah. I need to walk out of this building knowing that the Lord is with me. And no matter what I'm going to face this week, come hell, high water, sink or swim, I need to know that the Lord is by my side. Mm. Yo, I'm just feeling the anointing on me here. I want you to understand my intention today is not to exalt the physical building, but to exalt the church's purpose in the earth. There are some modern critics of the present day church that think the construction of contemporary church services is excessive and too expensive. To that, I just say, investigate the importance of the tabernacle. To that, I say, investigate what Solomon's temple would cost if built today. Historians say that if it was built today with the price of gold, Solomon's temple would come in at a price tag between three and six billion dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, God did not think that too extravagant for him. Why? Because he wants his reputation to be magnified. You know what we're doing over here? We are building the best that we can afford because God deserves our best. And that building is just a visible expression of an invisible God. See, the reason why we're building that building is not for our glory. It's for his glory. It's not for our reputation and all oh, what those people have done. It's for God's reputation. See, God's sanctuary is not just a structure. God's sanctuary is about relationship. When I go into a building, I go into a structure. The building can't bless me. This building can't heal me. This building can't make the pain go away. But if I go to a building where the presence of God is dependable, I go because of a relationship that he reminds me, I am Jehovah Jireh. I will provide an offering when you don't know where it's coming from. I go to a building because that's where God's presence builds me up. Well, here's another carn, carnal pause. Um, I hate the song. Build me a cabin in the corner of glory land and I'll be satisfied. God have mercy. 
I know the poor soul probably meant well, but if I could meet the poor soul, I'd be like, did you read your Bible? Nowhere in the Bible does it ever act like God is struggling. And so since God is struggling, the best he can do is find some old two-by-fours behind his old barn and build you a little old shack. Now, I, I don't, I don't, uh, no, I don't need to say that. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to say it. Ladies and gentlemen, nowhere in the scripture does it tell you God's going to build you a cabin. I think I read in Matthew where it says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. God spoke a beautiful earth into existence and he's never charged you rent to drink his water or to breathe his air. And it's beautiful. And God created a heavens. There was one man that went up into the heavens. His name was Paul. And he said, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. But here's one thing I can tell you. I saw things I can't even utter. I can't even write it. It's so beyond my imagination that if I wrote it down, you'd absolutely think I was hallucinating and insane. You wouldn't even believe me. See, eye hath not seen, and ear hath not heard, and neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for his people. And do you think for one minute that God is going to build you a cabin in the corner of glory land? Here's why God deserves our best. Because he gave us his best. did not give us a blemished son or a broken gospel. He gave us perfection. He gave us the absolute best, which was his son. Ladies and gentlemen, God deserves your best. I got to get this word out of me here. I just want you to look at Deuteronomy. Chapter 17 and verse 1. Do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defects or flaws in it, for that would be detestable to him. What were they doing? They were going back there and getting a little old land that had been all scraped up on the barbed wire fence, blood running down its leg, and saying, well, that'll be good enough. We'll give that to Jehovah. And God said, don't you dare do that. I'm giving you my best, and I deserve your best. Don't you give me any animal with a defect or a deflaw or whatever. Nuh-uh. You give your very best. Ladies and gentlemen, God deserves our very best now it's fixing to get heavy in here one leader said it like this if God bores you then nothing else will satisfy you either Woo. can I say it again if God bores you that's why I can't stand a dead church Jesus is alive, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I love vibrant praise. 
and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, I, I really, you know, I don't want you doing it all the time, but I, I really don't have a problem with uh, some of you whistling in church. Like, you know, I can't do that, but that's the best I got. But some of you can. Why? Because I love life. Because God is life. God is vibrant. The old saying is, people don't follow ice trucks, they follow fire trucks. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been in some services where I wondered. When you come in here, I want you to feel the love of God. I want you to feel the presence of God. I want you to know when I go to that house, I'm not going to be judged and looked down upon and criticized. I'm going to go because God wants to build me up. God wants to lift me up so that I can go out into the world and help lift others up. God deserves our best. Can I get a witness in this house? Now, I didn't come to put you on a guilt trip because I don't like people putting me on one. So I'm not going to do to you what I don't like done to me. But I do want to show you something real quick. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Jesus tells Martha, Martha, listen, sweetheart, you're anxious about a lot of things. But there's one thing that is important. And if you study this verse out, you'll find out that Jesus was talking about himself. Mary, listen. Martha, listen. It's good that you're serving Thank you for serving. Appreciate you serving. But there comes a time that you forget about serving for the moment because you got God Almighty in your presence. And God was saying, Jesus was saying here in this text that I'm the most important thing right now. Everything else right now is secondary. Okay, now it's going to get quiet. I'm not picking on anybody. I don't have any axes to grind. I'm here to remind all of us in the spirit of love. We need to think about that when it comes to our calendars. Okay. I'm telling you in love. If Jesus and his church are non-negotiable, then everything needs to fit around him. Not the other way around. I'm not picking on one person. I'm not mad at anybody. But listen, if we don't, if we don't take him... Seriously. And we set him aside because we got this going on and we got that going on. Listen, I'm not against sports. I love sports. I watch sports. I'll play sports. So I'm not against sports. I am for keeping God first. Again, I'm not, I don't have anyone in mind if I, if I had just one person in mind, I'd ask you to come to my office and I'd talk to you privately. I am not against going out on a Saturday night having fun. I am against walking into a Sunday morning so tired that you can't worship and give God your best. My brothers and sisters, as your pastor who loves you very much and prays for you every day, throughout the day, we can't simply love Jesus and ignore his church. Our involvement in 
the church and our involvement and care for the church is our reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our service to God and his church should be no less, no less than what we would give our employer. I just, I, again, I say this out of all love, but your boss didn't save you from your sins. God did. And I know we all have to work and I'm not asking anybody to quit their job. Okay. That's not because we all have to work. Our money goes to build buildings, help missionaries. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus looked at a coin and they said, well, who do we pay? Jesus looked at it and said, give to Caesar what's Caesar, give to God what's God's. But God need to be first. Your company is not the hope of the world. Jesus is. And I understand, ladies and gentlemen, that the beauty of this building is not going to hold you up when the bottom falls out of your life. I get that. I understand that the, that this beautiful building that we're trying to do our best to bring unto the Lord, it can't deliver us when trouble breaks uh, in our life. I get it. So the importance of going to church doesn't have to do with brick and mortar and beauty. It has to do with relationship. With relationship. I'm fixing to wrap this up because I can tell y'all are done, so I need to be done. So why then do I enter into God's house? Because I know someone that can anoint my head with oil. So that my cup runs over. Did you come here with an empty cup? And I know a God that can anoint you. And you can walk out of this building saying, man, I didn't feel very much walking in, but I just feel like I'm going to be all right going out. I got to, I, I got to just share something with you. Sometimes you don't worship because you have a need. You worship because you care enough about your neighbor and they have a need. I'll be honest with you this morning. My worship is just because I'm overwhelmed at the goodness of God. Because God is restoring my soul. I, I come to this building because I know a man that can order my steps. And when I don't know what to do, God says, look here, you just stand. And when I get ready, I'm going to speak to you what you need to do when you need to do it. See, the reason why I come to this church is because I know that God is faithful. And when his presence shows up, thank you, his power shows up. And I know that God has healed people in this building. I know that God has transformed people's lives in this building. So that's why I want to bring my best to the Lord. Because I come knowing that I can depend on him. Others may come and go, but Jesus comes and stays. Come on, somebody, would everybody stand and give your best praise to the Lord right now? I know when I come, 
he'll hear my faintest cry. I know when I step into this house, there's a God that looks beyond my faults and he sees my needs. TPC, hear me please. We have an opportunity to absolutely do something amazing for God. He deserves, Brother Scott, and I'm not picking on you. Just saw you. He deserves the best of you. Your talents, your gifts, your abilities. I just saw you, Brother Scott, but I'm so glad you're the principal of the middle school because people need to see God at work. God deserves the best of my gifts. God deserves the best of my time. And God deserves the best of my worship. If you come here next week and you really don't need anything, first of all, give God thanks for that. And then second of all, forget about yourself and say, you know what, my worship, my worship is going to help create an atmosphere for someone else. I love you, TPC. But when you come here, you need more than to see singers. I hear what y'all tell me during the week. I hear what you say. And you're telling me, Pastor, we appreciate good music. Again, God deserves our best. We ought to play skillfully before the Lord. But you need more than just to hear good music. And you need more than just to see a preacher. You need to be in the presence of Almighty God. Why are we building this building? He tells us why. The best way to fill it is from the outside in. But the best way to build men and women is from the inside. And this is where I can be changed and transformed because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Mm. Do you feel the Holy Spirit in this room? Father, Lord, would, would you allow the Holy Spirit to do its work and that is to convict us? One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convict us. God, would you for, even convict us when we're not giving you our best? When we walk in here too tired on a Sunday morning because we stayed out too late on a Saturday night, would you convict us? Would you convict us when we walk in here, Lord, with a blemish praise? With a defect praise because we're not giving you our best? Would you forgive us? Would you convict this church? 
Father, would you open up our eyes to see that we are literally the hope of Southwest Louisiana and that you deserve our best. Talk to our hearts now. Convict us, Holy Spirit, that we, O oh Lord, would determine within ourselves that we're going to give you our best. In Jesus' mighty name. It's 1124. Do you have six more minutes for the Lord? If you don't have to go, I understand if you got to go, but if you don't have to go, I want us to put into practice what we heard. And I just want you to extend your hands if you're a believer. Above all wonders the world has ever known. If you're a believer, lift up your hands. Above all wealth and treasures of the earth. And get refocused. There's no way to measure what you're worth.